Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. That's me. Welcome to another session of Global Answers. We've been very privileged recently to have a series of special people come by and greet us in the studio. And so uh, today, again, we have someone special that we'll want to talk to you about uh, as we move into our session. And this is our, for us, on Global Answers, this is the first time we've had the privilege of having a lady with us in the session. And so, Linda, welcome. And uh, listening audience, uh, viewing audience, this is Linda Neville, uh, former name, now Linda Wood. And for those of you who wouldn't recognize that name, uh, her father was the pastor of Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And so she had a very close, constant contact with uh, what was going on in Jeffersonville when a prophet of God made that his home base and he traveled out from there. So we wanted today to ask Linda, what was it like to grow up uh, in that atmosphere? And of course, she was very young. So a child growing up in that atmosphere uh, naturally, just automatically, takes it for granted. It isn't like it's anything special because that's all she's ever known. So we want to hear it from you, Sister Linda. Tell us about how it was growing up at Branham Tabernacle and your daddy, pastor of the church, yeah. And uh, just what was it like? Tell us about it. Well, um, the first thing that I have to say is I'm very thankful for just being a part of God's great plan and His truth for this day. And I'm so thankful for a faithful servant of God like Brother Branham. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a young child, like you said, growing up, I wish that I could have retained more in my childlike mind, but I really didn't. And But I can look back now and hear other people's testimonies and remember little things that happened that really have touched and inspired me along the way. And I'm also very thankful for my dad, who um, was a faithful servant also and really gave his life. He and my mom both gave their life to, to being part of the truth and backing Brother Branham and just feeling privileged to be there also. So uh, I guess the first thing that I would like to say is that the events that happened there were common to me, like you said. Mm -hmm. And um, the first thing that I can really remember is every time that Brother Branham came into town, there was such excitement and so much anticipation by mm -hmm. the people. And so we would always go to church probably three to four hours early. And no matter how soon we got there, there was always people lining up, waiting to go in the doors of the tabernacle. So um, at first, I, I, my mom didn't have a seat reserved for her, so she would let us kids stand in the line of people. And when the doors would open, everyone would rush in, just trying to get a seat to be a part of everything that was happening. And uh, we kids were smaller, so we could shoot through the doors and <laughs> maybe go find her a seat real quick. I and, have to um, admit, Linda, that, uh, <laughs> I hope I don't break your chain of thought, no, but okay. I, I've heard of some of the brothers who were very brusque, shall we say, about determining yes. to get a seat. Yes. <laughs> and so they were so determined to hear what God had to say to the people that yeah. it, uh, 
it wasn't very orderly sometimes. No, I'm it afraid. wasn't. It wasn't orderly, yeah. and it was. It happened very quickly. So you had to be there. You had to um, be right at the door and and try to squeeze your way as close as you could and get in so that you wouldn't be trampled in the rush. Mm -hmm. And it was just the anticipation of the people. I understand looking back now. You know, at the time, it was a little frightening because you're. You know, you're a little kid, and all these adults are around you, and they're pushing and trying to get in. And um, but now that I look back, I think I probably would have been the same way. I know I would have. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we would rush in and and find our our mom a seat, and hopefully we would get to sit with her. And most of the time, even if we did get a seat as children, when the service started, they would ask us to give up our seats. Mm -hmm because there were so many people that came and they would line the walls of the church standing and the doors would be packed full of people. And so to try to find as many places for the adults as they could, they would ask us to, the, the smaller children, to give up their seats so that people could sit down. And so then in that case, we were all asked to come up to the front along the altar railing of the church and we would just sit in little rows right either on the altar railing or on the floor there in front of the pulpit. Facing the people or, yes, or facing the yes. pulpit or Yes, usually both? we were facing the, the congregation the because we'd sit with our back to the, ah, yes, the right. uh, altar railing. So a lot of my, day, my, my times in service were spent right under the voice mm -hmm. coming across the, the pulpit there. Right. So it was, um, it was a special time. And uh, I just am thankful for those things, even though I can't remember a lot that happened. Yeah. I'm just let thankful me, to have been Let me say there. something to our viewing audience here. If, if you've caught the concept, we, we have discussed that this was a prophet of God, anointed with the spirit of Elijah. And many of the people in the congregation, they knew who this was, and they knew that he was not there to deliver his own thoughts or his own words. He was there with, thus saith the Lord for the people. And so there were things coming across the pulpit and supernatural manifestations that were not quite ordinary as you would see in the average church. So like she called it, the anticipation of the people was fantastic and everybody wanted to be a part of it. And the tabernacle was never big enough to hold the number of people that would come. Many people uh, went away. Some people sat in their cars outside the tabernacle and they had a little short distance radio hookup and they could sit in their car and listen to the service over radio, but that still wasn't like being in that presence. And I've talked to the people at the, at, that were at the services and they would say that when the service was starting and William Branham wasn't there yet, <clears throat> there was one kind of atmosphere, but as soon as he walked on the platform, it was like something came with him. And they says it wasn't uncommon for many of the people to just break into tears as that presence came with him in, into the sanctuary or into auditoriums where he was preaching. So it was very special. And so we were wanting a childhood view of, of these things. And that's why we're talking with, with Linda today. Excuse me for interrupting. Go right ahead. It's okay. Um, the next thing that really always has remained with me through the years is as children, before service would begin, uh, we, if we were allowed by our parents, would try to gather around the back door where Brother Branham would make his entry into the office. And we did that because there was, like Brother Lonnie was saying, there was such a presence about him. And even as a child, there was a, 
a safeness and, a, and a, just a wonderful presence about him that just overcame you and, and you just wanted to be near him. And we would gather at the door, I remember, and just stand there and wait. And when his car would pull in, he always get a big smile on his face because uh, he loved children. He loved all the little kitties, he called them. And he'd get out of the car and he'd come down the row and he would either just lay his hand on our head or he'd play with our ponytails and talk about our curls. And usually he'd call us honey or darling. And just just that warmth that I felt from him has, has always... As I've gotten older and the Lord revealed more truth and I really knew what was happening, uh, that has remained with me, just his ability to not only connect to um, adults but also to children and just that, that, precious, that precious feeling that you got when you were in his presence. He didn't convey that I'm a big man no. feeling at all. He was always on your level, always. child or adult. Yeah, I've, I've talked to people who they, they've saved when he would come visit your home and they would feel so privileged to have the prophet of God come visit their home, they yeah. says. But by the time he left, he made them feel special. Exactly. It and was what a, what a gift. Yes, and he, he did it with children too. He, he never um, made you feel small or, or hurried. Mm -hmm. He took his time as he'd go through and speak to each one. And, and it, it just is a, it's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful man. And um, I, I said I always felt that, just that safe feeling in his presence, but there was always one time that I always was nervous, even as a child, and that was during communion at the tabernacle if Brother Branham was there. I remember he would stand at the front of the church, and there was such a seriousness on his face during that time, and his eyes were on the people. And even as a child, I remember sitting there thinking, I wonder if he knows what we're thinking, or I wonder if he knows, you know, just watching him right. with, with those eyes, like we, we always say, like an eagle, mm -hmm. just, just looking right out. And, and to this day, I wonder, you know, what, 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 what he was seeing or what he was thinking. But it was, it was at those times where I, I just had a little bit of, I, I guess it would be like the reverence and awe of God just to look in those eyes and know that here's a prophet, here's a man who, who knows your very life, mm -hmm. really. When you talk about that uh, secure uh, sweetness that followed him into the church when the kids were waiting for him. Now, now I wasn't privileged to ever meet William Branham. I, I became aware that God had sent a prophet and um, a message had come to earth five months after Brother Branham passed away. Mm -hmm. So he passed away in late 65. I, I became aware of it in, in April of 66. But I, I hear on the tapes where people will come up in the prayer line and he'll say to them as they come up for prayer, he says, now that's not me. Mm -hmm. He says, that sweet welcome spirit you feel, he says, that's him and he's right here with us. Yeah. And so that was what you were sensing around William Branham was that spirit of Christ that was yes. manifesting to the people. Yes. What an age we live in. What an age. What an we age. Live in. It's harvest time, saints. Yeah. That's that's why that's why we are aware of this kind of ministry because something has to reach full maturity before it's harvest time. And when we compare William Branham's life to scripture we know that it's the equivalent of what Christ was in the New Testament as the wave sheaf offering over the people. You can read about this in the book of Leviticus, the wave sheaf offering. But the wave sheaf was the first 
part of the field to reach maturity and that was waved before the Lord thanking him that the process that brought this part of the field to maturity would bring the entire crop to maturity. And of course, this first manifestation was Jesus Christ himself as a wave sheaf offering of the resurrected life of Christ. When he resurrected, that was a wave sheaf offering. And then now we see this same life waved over the people again in a Luke 17, 30, a revealing of the Son of Man ministry that has come to earth in this day, which is misunderstood by many, just as uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ was misunderstood by many, so was this ministry misunderstood. And we find the normal misunderstanding is, is we develop traditions through the years, we develop certain understandings that we're quite sure this is what it means, then after a while we take it as fact, then when God interprets His Word by bringing it to pass, sometimes it doesn't meet our preconceived ideas. And that's exactly what has happened in this age. That's why this ministry is a parallel to the ministry of Jesus Christ. As you know, not very well received when He was here in person. And this ministry also too, sadly enough, not very well received by the, by the established systems, but still a fulfillment of Scripture. And that's why we continually bring this before you as the television audience to show you what God has done in this generation because that's where, that's where Christ is. That's where the life is. We've quoted this to you many times. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. The fellowship one with another is not like me and you, is our fellowship is with God. The preceding verses tell you that. And so that <clears throat> this is important for us to see what God is doing. Then we've met the I am, the present truth that Peter talked about. Though you be established in the present truth. Many are established in history, the historical God, but there is a present truth. And that's, that's where there's the test for every age. Can you see what God is doing in your age? That's always the test for every age. Sister Linda, I keep interrupting you. Have you got some more for us there? Well, <clears throat> um, one, other, one other thing that I wanted to mention about Brother Branham from a, a child's standpoint was the kindness and the thoughtfulness that he had for his people there at the church. And we got left out of a lot of things because he traveled so much and a lot of things that happened in his life happened other places rather than right there in Jeffersonville. But Brother Branham was so, when he would come home, he was so uh, thoughtful of the people and always um, trying to do something that would draw us to himself and, and make us a part of what was going on. And, and um, I know as a child, um, every year at Christmas time, we always hoped that Brother Branham would be in town because he had uh, something special that he would always do that through the years has really um, stayed with me and touched my heart because it, it put a balance in my life that I might not have had if it hadn't been for him. And that is that at Christmas time, he would have all of us kids, usually maybe anywhere from 5 to 11, 12, 13 years old, he'd have us all stand and form a line. And we would come up the aisle of the church and he would begin to tell the Christmas story. And I remember him saying things like, now we know kids that, that there really is not a Santa Claus, but we know who gave the greatest gift that was ever given, and that was God when he gave us his son, 
to die for our sins and to save us from our sins. And he would just do it in such a sweet and simple way that I remember as a child crying and just it, because it would touch my heart the way he was speaking. And then as we would pass by him at the front, he, he had little bags for us, a little Christmas gift, he called it. He said because God had given us such a great gift, he just wanted to give a little gift to, to us children. And it would be a bag of maybe hard candies, and sometimes an orange or an apple was in there. Very simple, but something that, that just sunk into, the, into our hearts because um, not, not celebrating Christmas like the rest of the world, sometimes for a child was difficult. In school, kids would talk about all the, the gifts they received and things like that. And I know it's not a real important thing, but as a child, it is important. And so he, that was his way of reaching out to us and doing something special for us. So I, even in the small things like that, the thoughtfulness and the grace and the, the love that he showed us has, has been something that's stayed in my life all, all these years. I was born, my dad was pastor of the church. All these things were common to me. But the, the, the thoughtfulness and the personal um, reaching out that Brother Branham had has always remained with me, even as a child. And this is why I wanted to talk to you, Linda, because for me, see, I, I know what I hear on tape, and I know the, let's say, the doctrine of the message, mm -hmm. but the man I never met. So the day-to-day -day life of the man, I didn't know. The man in the pulpit, I know. The day-to-day -day life, I've heard various stories, and I love to hear them because I figure if, if God can use a man that way, yeah. and so there, therefore God was pleased with that man's life. Yes. And if he lived a life that was pleasing to God, then I want to live a life that's pleasing to God. So there's a lot of these everyday things that I love to hear mm -hmm. because I like to know what kind of nature did he reflect. Mm -hmm. And I know I've, I've been around Christianity long enough. I don't even want to name how many years, but many, many. And, and I generally meet the the high-powered preachers, and they almost want everybody to bow to them. You know, they're Mr. Anointed of God, yes. man. And, and yet here he was just the opposite. Yeah. Probably, well, without a doubt, the greatest ministry to ever strike the earth since Jesus Christ himself, and yet such humbleness, yes. such humbleness. And to me, that speaks volumes. It isn't just the message that he brought to us, which we rejoice in that. Yes. But, but the life that he displayed yes. as part of that, what we call the wave sheaf offering. Yes. And so therefore, if that's, if that's what the mature wheat is going to manifest, just think when we're in glory and have, a, yes. have everybody around with the nature yes. of Christ. What a, <laughs> what a wonderful day that'll be. Wonderful and no day. more fussing, fighting, fuming, as you see so often when people get in the flesh and get carnal, yeah. but rather that Christ-like nature manifested. Yes. Got some more for us? Um, just the fact that um, even with my dad, my dad was pastor of the church while Brother Branham was away. He took care of things. So we never, we never got to travel much. In fact, I, I remember one vacation we took and we got to go to a, a meeting of Brother Branham in Southern Pines. I believe it was South Carolina. I'm not sure if it's north or south. But that was the only trip that we got to take because Dad remained mm -hmm. at the church while Brother Branham traveled. And 
Brother Branham knew a lot of the, the stresses and strains that came with my dad's position there at the church. And um, I remember his, his thoughtfulness to my dad. Always, every time he came into town, just always um, making sure he contacted him right away and caught up on everything and encouraged him. And he, he encouraged my dad to always be faithful to that post of duty. And I've always appreciated that because uh, it was not an easy place to be. And a lot of problems came with it. A lot of stress came with it. And our family was scrutinized pretty closely. I remember as a kid, you know, always being told to be careful. Mm. You know, we were to act a certain way and have respect and just a lot of, of people watching you. Right. And, um, and so I know that if I felt it, I know my dad must have felt a lot of that too. And Brother Branham was always so thoughtful to call him right away and just, just spend some time with him and, and just ease the burden and, you know, just be there to guide him and help him with all the things that had come through maybe while he had been gone. And so I remember the thoughtfulness of Brother Branham to always make sure that every, every area was covered, you know, every... Um, if there were problems, he, he would step in and just, it just seemed like oil on troubled waters. Mm -hmm. And he just had that way of, of being there and being what you needed at the moment. And I know my dad would always, always just really rejoice in those times that he got to spend. Because as a family, we did not get to spend a lot of time with Brother Branham. Um, when he was in Jeffersonville, there were countless interviews and people waiting to see him and even people that would follow him, even in restaurants or wherever he went, just to spend a minute or two in his presence. So we, as a, a pastor and family, were probably last on the list to be able to spend personal time with Brother Branham. And it would have been wonderful, but I, I'm still rejoicing and thankful that he was always so thoughtful and always um, encouraged us and said little things even to us children, you know, to just be strong, and he, he just was a thoughtful man. I met your dad in 1972, I think it was, and in Jeffersonville, and that was the only time I got to see him before he passed away. And uh, uh, I saw in your dad a man of real wisdom and understanding. He had, an, he had a depth of understanding about people that was just wonderful. Yeah. And uh, he understood human nature, and when people uh, would act wrong, do wrong, he didn't take it like most people would. He, he well, you know, Brother Lonnie, because <laughs> of this or because of that, he always could see other things that he, he kind of didn't want to throw stones. He, yeah. he, a wonderful man. I really appreciated it. And that's the way he, he raised us right. as children. He would never let us speak evil about right. anyone, Wonderful. even if things were going really bad. He would always say, "Now, just you know, let's not say anything. Let's just let's just pray and talk about this." And and he was he did have a heart for the people, mm -hmm. and and I believe that God placed that there for the very reason that Brother Branham then could relax right. and not worry about what was happening at home, because God had given him a faithful servant to to kind of cover that area 
that's, so that he didn't have to think yeah, about Yeah, well, that's clear from on tape, the wonderful things yeah. that Brother Branham says about Brother Neville. Mm -hmm. one, one jumps out at me. This, this one does quite fit what we're talking about. But I remember him saying, when he first met Orman Neville, he said he was Methodist <laughs> through and through. <laughs> and, <laughs> but he, says, he said yes. that one day, that man, I'm going to baptize that man. Exactly. And, uh, and he'll be here serving the Lord with us. And, of yes. course, it came to pass. Yes, it did. But so... <laughs> So for those of you that would understand, her father was initially a Baptist minister, excuse me, Methodist minister, had been for many years, and then saw that God had done something more than what John Wesley had brought to the Methodists, and so his eyes opened up. Well, what some of the things John Wesley brought was absolutely true, but God has unveiled all that plus more. So that was when he left the Methodist movement and, and came to work with Brother Branham at the tabernacle there. Yes, and, and um, being the pastor of the church there, he had a lot of people that had to drive long distances for service. And so he um, began to have what he called little prayer meetings. So we, as children, we were in church about at least four nights a week mm -hmm. because we had two services at the Tabernacle on Sunday, and then on Wednesday night was a service, and then we, on Monday and Tuesday night, we would have a prayer meeting, oh my. a little service, and then pr a time of prayer. And then Dad and some of the deacons from the church would get together, I believe it was on a Friday night, and they would visit the sick people in the hospitals and um, just do the work like that, reach out to people that way. And on Saturdays, if there was a revival anywhere, we usually were at that revival. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of my childhood in, in church. But I, all of that blessing, I, I call it blessing now. At the time as a child, um, we probably got a little weary of being in services a lot. Mm -hmm. So uh, I remember even all year, we, we did this all the time. And so during the school year, my mom used to make up beds in the back of the car so that we could, um, dad could take his time. And, you know, we had to drive quite a ways to some of these meetings. And We'd be really late getting home, so she'd make up beds in the back of the car. So I think back now, and I think, Lord, what what an honor and a privilege that was, because it's been something that's that's stayed in my heart all these years, and and really made me who I am today. Mm -hmm. I'm really thankful, and I I just really treasure the the Holy Spirit's moving in my life as the years went by, because as a child. Um, being used to that ministry and being in the meetings um, didn't really speak to me. But as I've gotten older and through the years, the Lord just began to deal with me. And, and of course, I gave my heart to the Lord probably at about 11 or 12 years old. And I really believe that He filled me with the Holy Spirit. We're and, running out of time, okay, Sister Linda. Scripture says, train up a child in the way that they're to go. You're seeing an example of a child who was raised upright. God bless you, saints. Thank See you again. To receive a DVD of today's program entitled Elijah Through the Eyes of a Child, send your request to the address on your screen or visit our website, globalanswers.us. May our Lord Jesus Christ richly 